Let us listen to the word of God. Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry, and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your needs in parched places, and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel lesson this morning is from the gospel of Luke chapter 13, beginning with the 10th verse. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day. When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at the wonderful things he was doing. Oh, gently lay your head upon my chest. And I will comfort you like a mother while you rest. The 
tide can change so fast, but I will stay the same through the past, the same in the future, the same today. Cause I Isn't it a wonderful day to be in worship with all of this talent we have? We're so grateful to our community and those who participate in leading our worship and turning our thoughts toward God. Well, we have a favorite picture book at our house. I won't read it to you, but I brought it for show and tell. It's called The Seven Silly Eaters by Mary Ann Hoberman. It's a rhyming book, which is my favorite kind of book to read, and it has absolutely wonderful illustrations. It tells the story of the Peters family. There are seven children, and they live in this house full, my book is falling on the floor, just a minute. Okay, they live in a house full of fun and animals and time outdoors and some food. You see, the thing is, there are seven Peters children, and each one will only eat one kind of food. Peter, who is the oldest, will only eat bread, but it has to be homemade. Lucy likes fresh-squeezed lemonade. The twins, Flo and Fran, only eat eggs, poached and fried, respectively. And Jack lives on applesauce, and not applesauce from a jar. As the story goes on, Mrs. Peters is shown growing more and more weary. She kneads bread dough and squeezes lemons and peels apples 
And the careful reader, or maybe the reader who has read this book more than 100 times, will realize that in all of the illustrations, Mrs. Peters keeps looking longingly over at her cello sitting in the corner. The climax of the book comes the night before Mrs. Peters' birthday. The children see what their silly eating habits are doing to their mom, and so they decide they're going to make their own food on Mrs. Peters' birthday. They wake up early in the morning and get to work. Bread dough is rising, applesauce is bubbling, eggs are frying, mixing bowls and pots and pans are everywhere, and this is when the Peters children realize that cooking is hard. They've made a big mess. None of their food turned out right. And instead of making Mrs. Peters' day easier, they just made things a lot worse. So with the help of the cats and the dogs to clean up the mess, the children hide all of their unsuccessful food in one giant bowl and put it in the oven where nobody will find it again. They sneak back upstairs to bed and pretend to be asleep. So imagine everyone's surprise when Mrs. Peters comes downstairs this birthday morning and finds a great big pink birthday cake baking in the oven. It turns out that this giant pink cake made of bread dough and applesauce and lemonade and all kinds of things is delicious. Everybody loves it. All seven of the Peters children found something that they liked to eat. And guess who loves it the most? The long-suffering Mrs. Peters. On the last pages of the book, she is shown blissfully playing her cello while her children gather around the table constructing their giant pink birthday cake. Well, today is Mother's Day, and maybe some of you came downstairs to a messy kitchen, I mean, a beautiful breakfast this morning. Our family tradition is to have an afternoon picnic of cheese and crackers, which requires no dishes or cooking. But like the best of all children's books, The Seven Silly Eaters has a real life lesson for us. First, maybe, is that man doesn't live by lemonade alone, fresh squeezed or not. And second, is that Mrs. Peters was working so hard making all of that food that she forgot to stop and rest. She didn't get to do what she loved. Mrs. Peters' cello was not part of the text of the book. It's a detail that the illustrator added in. But I think we can all relate to Mrs. Peters looking longingly at that cello in the corner, thinking to herself, if only I had more downtime. Now, it's easy for us to look at Mrs. Peters and say, you kind of signed up to be busy when you had seven kids. And besides Mrs. Peter making separate food for all seven of those children, well, silly is not the word for it. But it's a lot harder for us to look at ourselves and to say, maybe four hours of TV every day is too many. Or maybe I shouldn't stay at work until 6.30. Or maybe, and I might be preaching to the choir here, but maybe I should choose a tea time on Sunday afternoon and not on Sunday morning. Well, Isaiah 58 that Marilyn read for us is one of my favorite passages of scripture. This is actually not the first sermon you've heard me preach about this passage. 
It gives a beautiful description of the kingdom of God, which to our world-weary ears sounds like a utopia. God has expressed his displeasure with the people of Israel, and they say, but God, we've prayed and fasted. What more do you want from us? And God tells them that fasting from food is not what God desires. The fast that matters to God is this, to speak out against injustice, to feed the hungry and clothe the naked, to take the homeless into your own house, to stop pointing fingers and speaking evil. And finally, God says to delight in the Sabbath. Verses 13 and 14 say, if you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. So what does this mean to refrain from trampling the Sabbath and calling it a delight? Keeping the Sabbath is mentioned in scripture again and again. God rested after the creation of the earth in the first verses of the Bible, calling the seventh day holy. Citing this story, keeping the Sabbath is the fifth of the Ten Commandments. Throughout the centuries in the Bible and still today, people have wondered exactly what it means to keep the Sabbath. I think it looks a lot like Mrs. Peters taking time to play the cello, but we'll come back to that. So the Old Testament sets out some really specific rules for what to do on the Sabbath. For example, you can't light a fire or carry heavy burdens. As time went by, these were interpreted and added to. Some Jews today don't cook on the Sabbath or even turn on electric lights because that is the modern equivalent of lighting a fire. But what about Christians? These rules aren't something that we normally think about. Sunday dinner is a time-honored tradition, and we certainly turned a lot of lights on when we came into this building this morning. But it was actually, like Valerie told us, the Protestant reformers who became the most legalistic about modern Sabbath-keeping in the Christian church. Does anyone here remember blue laws that prohibited stores from being open on Sundays? Or more recently, they restricted the sales of certain items. Was that only in the South? Did that not? I see people who, who've lived in the South raising their hands. Okay. <laughs> so y'all remember the blue laws? <laughs> Um, These were a form of keeping the Sabbath to restrict sales on Sunday, and they were promoted by our Presbyterian great-grandfathers, the Puritans, and nowadays these have vanished, even in the South. We work hard, play hard, and shop hard seven days a week. There is no day that we set aside to stay home and rest, no day where we study scripture and pray in our homes, There's no day where we close up shops and let retail workers have a Sabbath, too. In spite of God's command to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, Sunday is really just a day like any other. As a society, we have all turned into Mrs. Peters, 
We're squeezing yet another glass of lemonade, and we're looking longingly at that dusty cello sitting in the corner. Well, in our New Testament reading for today, we see Jesus healing on the Sabbath. Jesus does not seem to have the same understanding of Sabbath laws as the synagogue leaders or the Pharisees who were always trying to catch him doing something wrong. This is not the only time that Jesus heals somebody on the Sabbath, or he even allowed his disciples to pick and eat grain on the Sabbath. This is where that famous line comes from, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Interestingly, the leader of the synagogue does not reprimand Jesus for healing, but he tells the woman that she should not have asked to be healed. He says there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But as usual, Jesus has a new way of thinking about things. He argues the Sabbath day is the perfect day to be healed. And besides, everyone breaks the Sabbath a little, Jesus says. Didn't everyone here give water to their animals before they came? The story ends with the crowd's reaction. When he said all of this, all of his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing. When we think back to what Isaiah said about fasting, that is what God is asking us to do. It's to bring about the kingdom of God by creating justice and equality. And Jesus is doing exactly that. If keeping the Sabbath means not going your own way, not serving your own interest, but delighting in the Lord, then isn't healing actually keeping the Sabbath? It's not that God says we should just do nothing all day. Instead, God says we should turn our hearts toward God, especially on this day. Well, let's return to our friend Mrs. Peters. She felt like all that food she was cooking was the right thing to do. Children need to be fed, and even Isaiah said to feed the hungry, right? Well, the trouble is she was working really, really hard at all of the wrong things. She was trying to please everyone and ended up pleasing no one. And most of all, she was doing nothing to care for her soul. To put it in the language of the church, Mrs. Peters was, what Mrs. Peters was doing was not bringing about the kingdom of God. And neither was she teaching her children to care for others. And this is why the final image of the book is so powerful. The family is gathered around the table with one big, giant, pink birthday cake sitting between them. It's like when we gather around this table with one loaf of bread to share between us all. Even when we're doing it virtually, even when we are not in the same room, we are still gathered around God's table. And the mystery of the Holy Spirit is still able to bind us all together. Keeping the Sabbath does not have to mean sitting at home all day on Sunday. It does not mean that we can't cook or turn on the lights. It does not mean we can't buy or sell things, or if we're able to heal people on Sundays. Keeping the Sabbath means gathering together at the table, 
It means everybody gets a slice of pink birthday cake. It means that we all pitch in to help make that cake so that people have time to do things like play the cello. The work of this church does not belong to its pastor or the staff or the elders and deacons. In this last year, we have felt so far apart from one another, and we're just beginning to feel like we're able to come back together again. It's been so easy for us to say, the church is closed and there's nothing that I can do. But the church has never been closed. There has not been a single week when worship stopped in this church, when we didn't give mission funds away to those in need, when phone calls and prayers and funerals and weddings still happened. We're planning a pack event that all are invited to attend. The youth group continues to meet. We still need liturgists and musicians to lead us in worship. Does anyone out there play the cello? If you've been taking a year-long hiatus from church, now is the time to plug back in. Now is the time to roll up your sleeves and help us bake that birthday cake. If you're not sure what it is you can do to help, give us a call. We'll be happy to find something for you to do. Because real Sabbath does not mean to do nothing. It means to get in there and do God's work. It means to stop being so busy with the world's things all of the time and to start doing only the best things. It means taking the time to delight in the Lord. Amen and amen.
join us at www.facebook.com slash slash and join our Monday First Pres Jacks community group, which meets at 7 p.m. every Monday. This is a question, answer, and sharing group with the pastor. This is a private room, and you will be asked a few questions before entering to make sure you are a human and not a robot. Presbyterians with a Purpose is another program available at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville for individuals needing to contact someone during these challenging times of the pandemic. You can visit that link. Just visit our homepage and find the link for Presbyterians with a Purpose. We also offer a Sunday live service starting at 9.55 a.m. Join us at www.facebook.com slash slash and click on the live link. In-person service starts at 10 a.m. Visitors and members can now come into the building through the north door and the east door, which is by the choir room. We are no longer taking temperatures when you enter the building. We ask that masks be kept on while in the church building. If you found today's sermon inspiring or any other program available here at First Love Ministries at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois, useful and would like to support our ministry, there are a few different options available. You can visit www.firstpresjax.org slash donate and make your contribution there or send contributions to First Presbyterian Church 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, 62650. You also can contribute to your bank using bill pay. If an account number is needed, please use 870-870-870. Our phone number is 217-245-4189. Our email is office at first presjax.org That's office at F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G We pray you have a safe, healthy, and peaceful week. God bless.